the people been good to us? Are there are there many questions to be answered? Almost certainly. Uh, whether they've been good to us or not is another matter. <laughs> um, how are you? You all right? Yeah, all right. Uh, enjoyed not having to uh, watch United play miserably. It's so funny. I'm unlike you know United's Instagram account. It's like oh, only six days to go till United play again or whatever. How much are you missing the Reds? I'm I'm not missing the Reds. Mind my, my no. you, I got a taste of that on Friday night. I watched the England versus Croatia game, and that was a bore draw. You said that England were quite good. In, England played all right. They were definitely the better side in the second half. Um, did Marcus Rashford play? He did. He missed a couple of good chances, um, both of which he kind of fashioned himself. So, uh, But mm. took quite a lot of criticism for missing those chances, and including a few words from the manager afterwards. Ah. Uh. Managers don't like it when strikers miss chances, do they? That's... They do not. A uh, bunch of other United players played in the international break. Though. So uh, David De Gea played for Spain. No surprise there. Uh, only played first half. Spain beat Wales 4-1. Uh, no matter, right. no Herrera. Uh, Lukaku uh, scored twice. Uh, Belgium beat Switzerland. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? And And I wonder... What that's about, and I wonder whether that'll affect his uh, form in a positive sense. Well, it's about him scoring for Belgium, as he does all the time, being their record goal scorer and all that. Uh, Fellaini didn't no, but get off the bench. Lukaku's been in terrible form, hasn't he? So he has. It's interesting, interesting to note that he scored two on international duty, and whether that's about the style of play or the a degree of comfort or just the level of opposition in Switzerland. Not a bad side. They were in the World Cup, weren't they? Yeah, not a bad side. Uh, Victor Lindhoff played the game, whole game as Sweden drew with Russia, 0-0. I heard Eric Bailly got a goal and an assist. Yeah, yeah. Um, I knew that had happened, and then yeah. I didn't go and check out all the details. It's exciting, though, isn't it? I don't like the idea that Eric Bailly is going to re- reinvent himself as a number 10 because these defensive mishaps are bothering him so much. <laughs> uh, in that England-Croatia game, uh, Rashford played. There was no Small and no Jones not picked. Uh, no, no Luke Shaw injured. No Young not picked. I guess he's been retired. Um, Southgate's been pretty honest about uh, his his desire to continue the revolution. I think he's been pretty frank about that one. Brought in a lot of younger players into this squad. No Lingard, was he fit? Not sure. No, injured. He's been injured for a while. Uh, no Darmian as Italy drew with Ukraine. Oh, oh no! Whatever will we do Got with Matteo Darmian? It's, I can't believe when you said that. I was like. Is he still a United player? It was, did Memphis Depay play for Holland? He did, and uh, he uh, he scored as Holland beat Germany three <laughs> 0 and and he's he's turning into a really good player. Yep, Daley Blint played for them as well. Played left he back. was a really good player. Uh, yeah, and uh, left back. Yeah, uh, terrible haircut though. Uh, Serbia drew what? with Romania nil nil. Did you just do you genuinely think that Daley Blint's haircut is bad? No, no, I'm just because uh, that that I'm is a very. That's such a ridiculous old man opinion if you did. What's wrong with his hair? Nothing's wrong with his hair. Um, Serbia drew with Romania, 0-0, no Matic. Fred played half of Brazil as Brazil beat Saudi Arabia 2-0 in Riyadh. I'd say that as one for the sponsors. Uh, by the way, like talking of Saudi Arabia, I can't believe we didn't cover this at the time and we did all that bonus content on City's ownership and how if something like this was happening at United, um, we'd be talking about it and be really like... 
calling the club out and we didn't even mention this and and this passed me by I I saw this story this October and assumed it had just happened but uh, last October Manchester United made a deal with the um, government development agency in Saudi Arabia to help with football strategy in the country now leaving aside the uh, obvious why on earth are you asking Manchester United to help you with your football strategy uh, remark uh, this is really unpleasant um thing to get into bed with and and, you know um, i I did tweet quite a bit about this at the time yeah right it's a general sports authority which in theory is independent of government so it's not it's not a government agency but of course actually in saudi arabia nothing is independent of government so uh yeah united were getting in bed with the devil at that point um i mean i'm sure many united fans would point out that uh, doing a commercial deal is not quite the same as being uh, owned for soft power purposes but it's not far off no it's worse it's worse um, because the the other thing is root and branch lock stock and you know you're kind of um I don't know. You, you're what you get in return for that is a complete on a completely different scale. This is like completely optional. Club, the club is doing so well for money that this is kind of a, a redundant. You know, I mean, I'm sure the extra income is always valid or whatever, and the strategic partnerships of it. But this is insidious and really like I was really surprised that somehow I missed this completely at the time. Yeah, or we can do a, another bonus episode on all United's dodgy commercial partners at some point. Uh, Peru beat Chile 3 0. Uh, Sanchez did not play. Um, uh, and then I've left the best till last because I wanted to uh, talk uh, with you about this one, given your mm-hmm. uh, allegiances. Uh, France drew with Iceland 2 2, came back from 2 0 down with four minutes to play. Uh, Paul Pogba played about 60 odd minutes of that one, though, Anthony Martial. Um, did you see this game? No, obviously not. Did, have you seen the highlights? No, I've seen nothing of it. I, okay. don't know. I didn't know it had happened until you just said that. Yeah, okay. Well, this is this is uh, played in France. Uh, and as I said, I, I, Iceland were 2-0 up um, at half-time. France came back to Drew... Uh, two all, um, and they eight, eighty-six quickly, minute um, and ninetieth minute. Mbappe scored a penalty in the ninetieth minute, and it's well dodgy. Well dodgy. They needed they needed to nationalise Alexis Sanchez to make it three two. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, uh, that was probably the best of the international break. Uh, not much else. You, did, what? How, how are you feeling after the? After we've had three rounds now, how are you feeling about the uh, or two two rounds with the third to come on Tuesday about the UEFA Nations League? I mean, I I can only say, like, never has the word neutral been more appropriate. In that, I have absolutely no thoughts or feelings about the Nations League in any way, shape, or form. I don't think I've seen more than I did. I think I might have seen one minute of it. Did Rashford score for England? In the previous round, I think no. maybe Rashford scored a good goal. He, and I watched he, might, that. he might have scored against Switzerland or something like that, which was a friendly. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, no, I haven't seen any of it and I don't care about it. International football is brilliant um, for one month every two years. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, the, the, the goal of this was to make the football a bit more competitive. And I think it probably has. Uh, for the most part, made these games more competitive. You don't get seven substitutions. 
uh, or 11 in some cases or whatever it is. And uh, for the most part, uh, teams are playing um, full teams, you know, with all, all their best players. Um, and, and you know, maybe it'll have the UEFA's desired effect. Clearly, clearly not winning you over, though. You're, you're, you're <laughs> no, a tough customer. To be honest, though, it's I, I, I always find international breaks serve a beautiful purpose as a, a break from football in the season. Really, the only international break I don't like is that first one when you're starting to get into it. But but the rest of the time, it's just a relief from not having to think about football. So that's I tend to just completely switch off during them. I think I, could, I think if pushed, I could have told you that England were playing Croatia, but I think that's the only fixture I could have picked out from this round of fixtures. Yeah. Um, well, there you go. That's international break. Uh, we'll we'll, uh, we'll see where um, we'll see where England go from here because they lost against Spain in their first round and then drew with Croatia and they're playing Spain away on Tuesday. So you know, good chance they'll lose that one. But um, Gareth Southgate is introducing more and more young players into the the team. So uh, Ben Chilwell was very good at left back, Leicester um, defender, and Jordan. Jaden Sancho came on for a you know a few twenty minutes cameo at the end. It was very good as well. Um, we talked about it in our World Cup. Pre- talked about him in our World Cup preview as a, a potential um, or our World Cup or our end of season World Cup preview, wasn't it? Where we talked about the potential squad and talked about him potentially going. He didn't in the end, but it looks like he's part of the squad from now on. Yeah. Um, well, I didn't. I don't think I necessarily think that's true because I think this squad was very future looking, wasn't it? It was very like, we've got a bunch of injuries. Ali was injured. Lingard was injured. Um, so there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people. There's, there's at least a couple of spots in there that won't be there next time. Um, and, and Southgate used that to give players some experience of being around the squad. I, I would be not at all surprised if Sancho isn't in the next England squad or if not Sancho, then some of the other young players, your, your Mason Mounts, etc. Um, but I guess if Sancho keeps tearing up the Bundesliga the way he has been, then uh, then old Gareth Southgate's not going to have much choice, is he? No, exactly. Should we move on from international football? Please. I, I didn't know we were going to do this. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a long 11-minute chat. Oh, you cynic. You cynic. Well, OK. Um, should we talk about next week's game? Uh, United. No, let- Let's do let's do what we promised the listeners and do a Twitter question special and briefly touch on the Chelsea game at the end. All right, Let, let's. Uh, in, in relation to our previous chat and Joey Mangini, that's Joey M underscore UX friend of the show, says, "How can I care more about international the international break? Because currently I couldn't give a toss." I think that's fine. I, I really think not caring is good when it comes to the international break. I mean, if you super want to, if you're like, if you're kind of in that moment in your life where football is like, I just want more and more and more of it, then just watch some interesting looking international matches as a sort of scouting mission, you know, to see some players in action that you might not see week in, week out. Yeah, why not? So at underscore, you're welcome, underscore, underscore. It's just not. It's just not friendly. I mean, you're welcome for all those underscores. Yeah, and Herrera is a beautiful man. Discuss. Uh, is this in relation to something or just a general commentary? No, you know what? I wonder if this is an Ander Herrera Instagram reaction thing because he put a picture out of himself on his Instagram stories, and he was looking. I did notice. I thought, "Hey, oh, you're looking good there, Ander." That is, a, he had a he had a fire fit on, and he it, it suited his face well. And also, he seems like a nice chap, and that goes a long way, doesn't it? 
who do you keep and release uh, out of all the players who are in the final year of their contracts? Asked at James E. Kenny. Okay, so the 11 players out of contract are David De Gea. I believe we should keep David De Gea. Would you agree or disagree, Ed, with yeah. my controversial hot take? Uh, well, United will certainly keep David De Gea. They'll option the contract. In fact, I saw a piece today that Sunday saying they're almost certainly going to option it straight away. And, and while negotiations are uh, still going down, I mean, it's it's all about the money. There was some talk about um, De Gea moving on, although his options have actually narrowed because Barcelona have a long-term goalkeeper, a very good one in Ter Stegen, and Real Madrid yeah. obviously just brought Courtois in. So he's not going back to either of the big uh, Spanish clubs. He's not going to yeah. get anywhere near the 300000 or so that's apparently on the table at United if you went to Atletico. So uh, who else is uh, there's Juven, Paris Saint-Germain and, you know, Bayern Munich and stuff like that. And uh, they're not going to pay the same as United either. So I, I, I think this is just negotiation. Bayern are probably all right for a keeper, aren't they? Um, well, I don't know. <laughs> Manuel Neuer chucked one in against, uh, uh, against uh, Netherlands. So yeah, right. maybe not. Uh, Anthony Martial, I would keep, obviously. Yeah, they'll option the contract and then... Um, All right. There was there was let's, talk about him um, signing on as well. Yeah, I mean, it'd be great if he does. That'd be, that'd be superb. Um, I would let Valencia's contract go. Uh, I'm, I'm not talking... Like, never mind, like, the extra year on contracts and business and all that. I'm just talking about players I would keep in the squad or players that I'd get rid of. I would, I'd get rid of Valencia. It's, t- it's time to move on. He's, he's a... He's not that brilliant as a defender and he's an absolute liability in the final third. Uh, I just really intensely dislike watching Antonio Valencia play football. Wow. Intense. Yeah. <laughs> That's my take on that. Would you keep him? No, I don't want well, beyond this year. No, I don't think so. Uh, they may they may take the option which they have and United seem to sign a lot of these contracts where they have a four-year contract with a an extra year's option, often one-way option, and they probably will just so they can get a fee out of him. Yeah, so what I'm, what I'm saying is if we just take the option of the extra year out of the equation, would you keep the player at the club just just straight up? No, like, I think no, he, he, no, no, it's time to move on. And, and yeah. Diogo Dalot looks like a, a, a good player in the making. Uh, and given that Darwin's going to go as well, United would need to buy another right back. Yeah. Um, Juan Mata, I, I would not even hesitate to keep Juan Mata. I think rumours of Juan Mata's demise have been greatly exaggerated. Uh, and he was very good against Newcastle, wasn't he? But they, they are going to have to sign him up to a new contract. Uh, he's now in his 30s. Veteran yeah. Juan Mata. Yeah. Um, well, that kind of makes sense. It does feel like he's been around forever, Juan Mata, and he kind of has now. Ander Herrera is a really interesting one. I, I definitely think if I was him, I wouldn't stay. But if I was United, I mean, I don't understand why he's so peripheral at our club. It, it doesn't make sense, really. No, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, it doesn't make any There's talk of uh, making a move for Aaron Ramsey from Arsenal, you know, perpetual loser Aaron Ramsey, who's a decent <laughs> player, of course, but uh, is he uh, streets ahead of Herrera or Fred or any of the other players we've got in our squad? No, probably not. So uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's um, if I was under Herrera, I'd be running, me down, running down my contract and moving on, I think, because he's just not going to get a kick while Mourinho's still manager. Would you want to make any case for Mar- for Smalling and Jones staying? Because I'm, ha- I would be happy to see either of them or both of them leave. Uh, yeah, I think. I, I mean, you know, it's not like we're short of evidence for these two. 
Um, no. Chris Moore has not had a, well, I was going to say he's not had a horrendous season, but it's all relative compared to some of the other <laughs> defensive performances this season. Um, one yeah. thing I would say is they're 26 and 28. There's zero chance if the club can do it uh, of them um, not being signed up to new contracts. No, yeah, but I would get rid. Luke Shaw would obviously keep. Yeah, Ashley talked today that uh, there's a five-year contract on the table and uh, they're near to completion of that one. That'd be fantastic. And Ashley Young, thank you very much for all your service. Time, um, time to move on. I think Ashley, yeah, he's been a he's been a good servant. But you know, although look, if he continues to be fit and continues to put in half decent performances, uh, they they may sign him up to another year's contract. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I would, I wouldn't be. Of all the players I talked about leaving, I wouldn't be mad at Ashley Young staying around. Matteo Damian obviously go, and Andreas Pereira obviously keep. Right? Yeah, I think that's, as you should. I mean, he needs to, he needs to have a breakthrough season. It's not quite happening at the moment. I mean, he started the first couple of games, and then he's been on the outside again. I don't know what he did. He he started the first couple of games when no one else was available and as soon as anyone became available, he was no longer considered for selection by the manager of whom he's almost the exact archetype of the type of players he doesn't like. Yeah. Um, There you go. That was a very long answer, but since we haven't got much else to talk about this week, we could do a full answer to that question. (laughs) Thanks. James James Cantona, Jamesy Cantona on Twitter. Cheers, James. Ben Bishop, B Bishop, eighty-seven. Uh, I think that's too much personal information, Ben. You know, I'm sure from there I could probably fish some extra information out of you and bring to your <laughs> bank account after not too many uh, hours. Uh, if the team suddenly started playing well, winning, and doing exactly what they were asked to, how do you think Mourinho would enjoy himself? <laughs> I, I, I don't think he would. I, I think he's a man who hates life and himself deeply right now. <laughs> I think when things are going well, he's just waiting for something, the next thing to go, this is all fine, but Rui Farrier still left me. (laughs) You think that's what he's sad about? (laughs) Maybe. I mean, he was sad before, to be fair. Um, I don't think you could get into Ben's bank account. I think that's the key thing. I think you're greatly overstating your hacker abilities there, Ed. I know some people who could. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure that's true. Gupreet Singh says... One realistic signing in January. Well, look, there was a there was talk, paper talk, but talk still, that uh, Woodward is uh, going to relent and Mourinho is going to get one of his signings in January, at least one. Alderweireld, maybe. Oh, he's back in the Tottenham fold, though, big time. Alderweireld is. It'd be a huge loss to them again now. I mean, because he didn't play that much last season. You could have seen him going in the summer for big money, but. I mean, they're just going to hang on to him for a few more months, right? That's kind of make Tottenham need that more than they need the money from his sale, unless things are really bad with the stadium and the business plan and all that sort of malarkey. True. The the, the question is uh, a part, partly a business one as well, though, isn't it? Because his contract stipulates a £25 million release course next summer. Yeah. Yeah, right. Okay. So get a few a few more mil this January. But you're only you know it's not gonna be like majorly more than that, is it? We're not gonna spend forty million on him. I mean, we might do because we are really silly, but I don't know. I you know, oh talking of paper talk, I don't know if we've got a question about this, Ed, but um <laughs> the, the Jose Jose didn't get sacked after last weekend in perhaps unsurprising news and, and it seems that perhaps he was never gonna get sacked, funnily enough. 
And this, the sources may have been misleading for poor old David McDonnell of the Mirror. Yeah, we did mention it on last week's show that the conspiracy theory that uh, Jose's peeps may be putting this around in order to G up the crowd and try and box Woodward into a, a position um, may be true. We had a bit of a laugh about it. I, I have to say this was double sourced to me without <laughs> me stimulating that. Yeah, and me. <laughs> So uh, the crazy conspiracy theory, I'd say, appears to be true. The thing I don't understand, let's have a conversation about this, right? Let's take as read that this comes from Jose's people. That's where this story came from. And it was some sort of mind game power play. What positive does it achieve? It... um, it galvanises the supporters around Mourinho, but you don't need to go so dramatic to do that. Um, he just needs to, you know, point at the press and say fake news again, and everyone will go, because, you know, the, the fans are ready to be, oh, uh, Paul Pogba's uh, said he doesn't care at all about Manchester United, and I love Manchester United. If Mourinho says that, everyone's going to, like, try and murder Pogba and, like, in Mourinho's name or something. Um but even then, doesn't it just like, doesn't it ratchet the pressure up and the kind of feeling around the club and the kind of, you know, oh, that Mourinho's on the brink? What's he, what did he, does he also like somehow also engineered the result of the Newcastle game to make the perfect double whammy of circumstances for him? No, I, I think it's just a case of this gives Mourinho a, a, a whip hand. He thinks he's got a whip hand in negotiations with the club over transfers. If, if you remember, about a year ago, um, similar stories came out about Mourinho going to Paris Saint-Germain, mm-hmm. in which he did that really bizarre interview on French television, saying yeah. they were a beautiful club and all of that. Yeah, at that time, he was pushing for a new contract, which he got. At this time, he's pushing for new players. Uh, I think that that's why the, the piece has been planted. He knows there aren't too many other big-name options around that United could fill this position with in the in the middle of the season, you know. All right. There's, so, there's been talk that Zidane has uh, short, you know, has uh, some questions about United's ability to compete, um, <laughs> and uh, Mourinho may well have heard those uh, stories too. You know, I'm playing out the rumor here, uh, yeah. and 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 there's zero chance that Spurs are letting Pochettino go without a massive fight. But what about the timing of this? So it's before the Newcastle game, before the international break. After which United have got an absolutely disastrous run of fixtures, and potentially disastrous run of fixtures. Now, listen, maybe Mourinho will, will pull off some good Mourinhoing and and will actually do better in these games than they've done, you know, in in some of the games against lesser teams so far this season, um, and and pull something out of the hat. But uh, that's a big gamble, and and. I don't know. It just, I, I mean, you know, like you, I've had this story double sourced and clearly it's come, clearly it is what's happened, but it just seems utterly ridiculous. And the other thing is, if you and I know where the story came from, then surely Ed Woodward knows where the story came from. <laughs> like, that's not going to be a secret from Ed Woodward that only, like, you know, podcasters know, is it? Yeah, but the the, the fans may not see it that way. And, and the fans got behind Jersey. Mission accomplished. But but, the, but how does that give Mourinho the whip hand when his boss knows that he's been planting stories designed to undermine his boss in the eyes of the fans? But the fans don't. 
That's the point. The fans were solidly behind Mourinho. Mission accomplished. That's what he wanted. That, yeah, but, that, that, I'm, that's, that, I'm 100% certain that's the thinking. I know. It just. I, I, I completely agree that that's the thinking. I just don't understand how it's anything other than incredibly basic and really like limited and and ultimately maybe even counterproductive. If you're if you because what's more important in terms of Mourinho keeping his job that the fans are on side in a game which United come back from two 0 down to win three two. By the way. That the fans go home after happy after that, or that he's got a manageable relationship with the person who's ultimately responsible for whether he keeps his job or not. I think it's all politics. Yeah, I guess so. Um, maybe maybe it's me. Maybe I'm maybe I'm missing the wood for the trees or something. But maybe I'm I'm not seeing the Edward wood for the trees. Um, but it seemed like silly to me. <laughs> anyway. One strong rumour that's been going around is that United might put in a bid for Nikola Milinkovic from Fiorentina, defender. I don't remember seeing him play, do you? Uh, No, this is the first time I've ever heard of him. So, there we go. Maybe he was in the World Cup. Maybe. Was he in the World Cup? Did he play for a team that was at the World Cup? Uh, Well, Serbia. Achon KDLA says, how many minutes until the first sub versus Chelsea? Two minutes? Five minutes? Oh dear! <laughs> I guess it depends what happens. Uh, a fifteen-minute sub wouldn't be a surprise, but like like I said earlier, I wouldn't be surprised if Mourinho pulls this off somehow. Equally, I wouldn't be surprised if they're one nil up after thirty seconds, like they were two seasons ago at the Bridge. Yeah, not looking forward to this one. Are those, I suppose, if expectations are low. Then you know, could could can only go better from there. Yeah. At Ike underscore Ugola says, uh, could we stick Lukaku on the right wing and play Alexis through the middle as a way to unlock this flailing team thoughts? I've seen a lot of people talk about this and I've heard a lot of people talk about this. um, And I don't think it's completely unreasonable, but I think the chances of it happening are extraordinarily minimal at this point. Doesn't seem, excuse me, doesn't seem like a Mourinho move, does it? Doesn't seem like a Mourinho move. I, I thought Alexis uh, looked a bit better than he had done in in much of the season playing on the right wing against Newcastle. So. I mean that that Newcastle, the second half of that Newcastle game, especially the last half an hour of it, is such a it's such a non it's such a useless data point in the context of the rest of our season because with so many attack minded players on the pitch and they were all playing with kind of desire and intensity and purpose and the number of times that that's going to be happening again uh, in the rest of the season under Mourinho, it's it's. You know, oh, all the conversation in this in the post Newcastle stuff is like, oh, see, see, he can be good after all, and you're all yeah. idiots for thinking he isn't. But, but, but as that, we said, that, like for most of last week's show, a, a good hour and a half of it, it, it was a hail yeah. mary. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, um, I, I'm not sure Sanchez playing on the right is much of an evidence point. Um, but I, I mean, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Lukaku. I think Lukaku's pretty effective on the right. Um, but I also think, I think it was probably about this time last season when people were sort of saying Lukaku's useless, he never scores, and then he went on a massive tear, scoring loads of goals every other game. He's he's streaky. I, I think I think there is enough data. I don't know why it would be that he's streaky, but there is clearly enough data to suggest from his history that he'll he'll go on another scoring tear from centre forward some point reasonably soon yeah we'll see 
Mika Latonen says, in the light of Carrick's recent comments about his depression, are you aware of any mental health initiatives within football? Crucial, yet what? also feel something like traditionalists would sneer at. Yeah, what did you make of that Carrick interview? I, I mean, you thought, very interesting. Um, he's obviously a very intelligent man and very self-aware and uh, was you know pretty analytical about how he felt after... United's loss in the 2011 Champions League final, which he blamed on himself. 2009. 2009. It was the the Rome game, wasn't it? Rome game, which he blamed on himself. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's obviously obviously very harsh for him to blame the entirety of that game on himself. Uh, There were many, many factors that went into United losing that game. Um, But to to kind of just briefly answer the question, um, I mean... Uh, there used to be none whatsoever and increasingly there are a few here and there so I mean Sporting Chance is an enormous one Um, this was the charity set up by uh, Tony Adams um, with professionals working with him in order to help uh, footballers who've um, had issues with addiction around drugs alcohol gambling I don't know if it's even more broad than that in terms of all the different things you can be addicted to but um, there are initiatives within the PFA this is something that there is kind of increasing awareness of and we've seen the really serious consequences i mean aaron lennon was hospitalized earlier this year or last year for mental health issues um there's all the stuff the kind of extremely harrowing stuff around clark carlisle's experiences right, yeah. um and the consequences of some of that <laughs> so it's something that is on the table in a, in a way that it it never was really and actually you know the thing about sneering traditionalists is i mean I don't think anyone in their right mind, to use an awful phrase, um, thinks that the sneering traditionalists have anything of worth to add to conversations around mental health because um, anyone that doesn't take mental health issues seriously is just living in in a, in a, an old paradigm which has been, you know, is, is clearly inaccurate. Right. So yeah. I, I, I think, I mean, you're absolutely right, of course. I mean, the Carrick one's interesting because it was specifically a sort of cause and effect performance and then slump and then the kind of roll-on effect of the slump. Now, if I was working with Michael Carrick at that time, um, I'd have been looking at why that performance was affecting him to the level it was and what was there in his kind of story that meant that he was taking that level of responsibility. And, uh, you know, as a therapist, you're you're working with people to help understand that the, the really simple linear causality isn't really appropriate in or isn't really doesn't really tell the full story i don't mean inappropriate in a in a negative context i mean it's there is information that you're missing there that could be really useful to your recovery and help speed it up because obviously different people react differently to exactly the same circumstances and that is about every that is normally about their experiences of life particularly their early years um and somebody like michael carrick uh, this is this is true for a lot of footballers a lot of footballers sacrifice um emotional connection with their parents for their career so you get people who go and live in i mean david beckham left london at the age of 15 to go and live in manchester well um at 15 you're just starting out in the second phase of child development to not have your parents playing a central role in your life is going to have some bearing on your emotional development now that doesn't mean that you're definitely going to have x y and z mental health issues but it's just a good example of how very often footballers childhoods um 
um, miss some of the things that you need to be able to kind of form really emotionally healthy relationships and all that sort of stuff. So it's not surprising that there's a lot of mental health problems in football. I mean, there are everywhere in in society. In, in Britain, one in four people will suffer from mental health problems. I mean, that's an a, astonishing number of people so of course that's going to include lots of footballers and and I think as the conversation um as we have more and more dialogue about this the conversation becomes less and less stigmatized I mean this government which I think is an absolutely despicable government that has caused an absolutely enormous amount of mental health problems around the country um, have just appointed for the first time ever under pressure from lobbyists a minister with particular responsibility for suicide prevention because um, more young men I think I think it's 18 to 35 I think men between 18 and 35 in England in Britain the most likely cause of death is suicide so uh, mental health needs to be absolutely taken extremely seriously and it's it's always good to hear um when there are initiatives in football and and i do think um uh, certainly people of footballers age will generally speaking be less stigmatized about dealing with mental health in general um although it's that's that in itself is not a straightforward subject i could talk about this for a long mm. time but I'll, goldbridge I'll levels the monologue there Sorry, Ed. I mean, this is this is something unlike Manchester United. This is something I can actually speak about with some degree of authority. Mm. Uh, it, uh, you mentioned Tony Adams' sporting chance. Uh, this is a pro of not very much, but, you know. Uh, interview with uh, Danny Bullman in The Telegraph this week. Uh, he's the oldest player in the league at 40. Uh, and uh, he notes that Tony Adams was the worst manager he's ever had. No question and goes on to uh, highlight some of uh, his awful managerial traits, which we probably uh, could guess at. uh, uh, Not necessarily uh, a very good football manager, but um, has done a great deal for a number of people uh, and a lot to help remove the stigma around addiction in the game, which I think uh, far outweighs his managerial ineptitude. At Gino72 says, is Jose Mourinho going to be sacked in the next international break? We lose to Chelsea and City, don't win against Everton and Bournemouth, poor effort against Juve. That's twice, that is. He can't survive. All right. well, Apparently, all he has to do is put a story in the papers about how he's about to be sacked and it'll all be fine. Right. Well, no, I don't think so. But uh, look, if, if he, United play Chelsea next, then Juve, then it's Everton, then it's Juve again, then it's Bournemouth, I'm this off the top of my head, and then it's City, I think, in the next month. That's that's an awfully difficult run uh, for United there. And maybe this is the thing that stimulates Jose into being brilliant. Maybe this is the thing that breaks him. So do you think if the results go in a really sort of negative direction, do you think that the club will pull the trigger in the next international break? No. Unless United lose five of those games. Right. But I'm I'm saying sort of like if, say, we lose to we lose to Chelsea, lose to City, get a point from the two games against Juve, you think he keeps his job under those circumstances? Yeah. Okay. We'll see whether that's true or not, but yeah, I would bet that United would not pull the trigger. I think that's I think that's reasonable. Although it'll be fascinating to see what what happens um, from a political point of view, if nothing else. 
Atishay underscore J says, why do you think new managerial appointments to Chelsea click instantly, Conte, sorry, while we at United are trying to find someone who can share results on the pitch? Uh, yeah, I mean, you could look above. I mean, of course, uh, there's a certain amount of stability in the uh, Abramovich and, well, it was Emiliano, but he's not, he left, didn't he, in the summer? further back than that and and because there was loads of political infighting apparently yeah right so it's always been a deeply political club in the boardroom but that's that's because because Abramovich wants it like that you know they're all fighting amongst themselves to please the king um but they've at least had a kind of stable structure for um you know much of the time Uh, why do they click don't know I I don't know I wonder whether it's actually about the combination of the timing of managerial appointments and the the sort of nature of the squad that's been assembled rather than the sort of stability in the boardroom. Because I'm not sure. I mean, the the one thing that you could say is they've, they've had so many goes at it. They're all really used to a new manager coming in and things being done differently. That's, that's, that's part of anyone that's been at Chelsea for five seasons has had three managers, haven't they? Um, So I guess they're, they're kind of, used to it in a way and and the culture of the club is all set up for it yeah um, i mean look most clubs around europe are rotating managers every three years chelsea do it a bit more often yeah on average i guess over the last 15 years or so that abramovich has been in play um united haven't until ferguson retired uh, and then we're rotating more often than that I wonder if it's to do with also that just the expectations and stuff like that there's there isn't this kind of insane pressure that you've got to come in and you know make United great again um the the job at Chelsea is probably a bit more I don't know there's just less pressure isn't there if you don't succeed in the first season it's not the end of the world as long as you're not really messing up you're going to get that that second go but I do think it is interesting when Mourinho won it in his second season there then Conte won it in his first Sarri's obviously got him absolutely purring this season so it's a very interesting phenomenon and Sarri's probably working with a, a higher quality base isn't he in that squad that's an interesting question I guess I guess so yeah, maybe maybe in terms of balance. Yeah, maybe in terms of balance. I mean, like, there's no shortage of quality players at United. <laughs> is Big Rom only just good with the national team, or is the service we're providing him not sufficient? Asks at Cryptic Android. Well, wasn't very cryptic as a question, was it? But uh, no, we're not providing him with the right kind of service, and he's uh, not feeling very confident as a result. But you could say that about an awful lot of our attacking players, couldn't you? Am I right in thinking he got four goals in the first five games of the season and he's gone off the boil since then? And last season, he had, I mean, I know I literally just said this, but long streaks of performances last season where he was scoring really regularly for United. So I don't think he's just good with the national team. I think he's a... I don't know if you know this, Ed, but I believe Romelu Lukaku to be a streaky confidence player. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, he certainly is. So I was just looking up the next question. Because I was like, what, what, what? Um, given our conversation we just had about Saudi Arabian sports sponsorship with United. Published 14th October in the Daily Star. Headline, Manchester United fans are excited the club could be sold to one of the world's richest families. Saudi Arabian, <laughs> Arabia's ruling Salmans, said to be worth 850 billion, are reported to be interested in buying the football. Oh, Jesus. 
And well, I mean, we'd have to. We would genuinely. We'd have to stop doing this if that happened. I don't. I couldn't do. It. I couldn't cover. I'd have to just give up on. It's United only at that in the point. Daily Star, so we're ignoring this until it, <laughs> it goes into something. Because the Glazer ownership is like, um, is really bad and really unpleasant. But the thing about it is, it's like it's bad for us. It's bad for United as a club. It's bad for the experience of watching it as a fan. If we if we're owned by someone who make us good mm. from such a, and who are a bunch of you know not nice people with terrible um, terrible human rights abuse record. Not nice people is a bit of an understatement, isn't it? When I'm talking about a terrible human right, but. So we'll close out our questions with this one. The sooner Roy Keane and Nicky Buck take the reins, the sooner our glory days return. Discuss, ask, take Dan. <laughs> I believe that uh, Nicky Buck's record with the youth team would suggest that, that that is not the case. Also, neither would Roy Keane's record with anyone ever. Yeah. Uh, Ireland, who drew with uh, Denmark, who smashed them 5-1 last time out, uh, nil-nil. And isn't Harry Arthur back in the fold? He is, yeah. Well, Roy Keane's a forgiving man, isn't he? You know, he'll, he'll if you can take Never it. Never bears a you... grudge. No, definitely no, not. exactly. I mean, maybe occasionally he bears a grudge. I'm, I'm not sure Mick McCarthy's on his Christmas list. Anyway, we'll leave it there. What did What did you do over the uh, break? Did you uh, Did you watch loads of international football? Did you go to non league day? No, you went to non league day though, didn't you? I did. It was very bad, as you can kind of imagine from the quality of footballing. Uh, I went to a Vanarama National League game. Okay. What was what was the what was the fixture? It was uh, Boreham Wood versus Maidenhead. Okay. It wasn't great. 3-1 to Boreham Wood. Yeah, so the home t- the home crowd went home happy. Yeah, it weren't very many of them. Uh, I did a bit of research afterwards. It's because they're expensive for a league uh, a league uh, national league side. Uh, and which I thought, as I paid at the gate, sort of, bloody hell, 17 quid to get in. Jeez. I mean, 17 quid to see non-league football is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, it's ridiculous. The cheapest tickets at United are, what, are they 37? The cheaper, the cheap. There might be ones which are slightly cheaper than that, actually. But, I mean, the difference in quality is like you're watching a different sport. 17 quid. Insane. I think Dulwich Hamlet is a fiver. I probably should have gone down there then. Yeah, he probably should. I mean, it definitely would have been a fun atmosphere at least. Anyway, so international break, lots of questions. Right, we're going to have to do it. We're going to have to talk about Chelsea and Juve coming up. Uh, yeah, I mean, we talked about it briefly on the, the last show. And I just think it's going to be painful to watch from a United perspective. Of course, it would be lovely if that's not the case. Um, Chelsea are playing really well. It's at the bridge, isn't it, the Chelsea game? It is. And then Juve at home? Juve at home. Yeah, okay. I mean, we have a terrible, 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 terrible record at the bridge, even when we were good. Um, And we are not good now. And it feels like their strengths are perfectly set up to take advantages of our abundant weaknesses. Yeah, well, they've got uh, the league's player, uh, or the league's most informed player at the moment, haven't they, in, in Eden Hazard? When it's he, the, when, league's be- the league's best player also. When he's not cheating his manager. That's <laughs> a fraud that he is. Uh, it's also on a Saturday lunchtime, 
I, I have a feeling with absolutely no information to hand to prove this that we don't have a great record on lunchtime Saturday <laughs> kickoffs. Yeah, I feel the same way, but I, I've again absolutely no. Is that because they've only really come in since? No, they they were around under, in the sky. It was not not just a BT Sport thing, was it? Saturday lunchtime. No, no, they, they they were around before, uh, and there were games against Leeds and Liverpool that were always held at Saturday lunchtime, so you couldn't get face beforehand. I mean, although I've never really understood why people think that Man United fans aren't capable of getting blasted drunk by one o'clock in the afternoon, because they definitely are. I've seen it many times. This is very true, but you can't get into the pubs for too too long, so that's that's the thinking. Yeah, so it's a Saturday lunchtime. It's at Stamford Bridge where we have a hor- horrible record, and Chelsea are in form, and we're not. Clearly, <laughs> this is a Mourinho masterclass waiting to happen. How will United approach this game? I mean, surely it's to park the bus. Yeah, they have to park the bus in a way because anything less than that, Chelsea are just going to rip them apart because Chelsea Chelsea are are keeping the ball so well and circulating possession so well and occasionally against a really stubborn defence, they've looked a little bit Van Gaal. Um, But for the most part, it's been working, hasn't it? I mean, what what am I thinking of? Was it Newcastle that they drew with um, 0-0? Or... Someone anyway that they when Jorginho made 180 passes, mm-hmm. um, but you know I think if United don't press their midfield ferociously, which um, United won't because that's not the way we ever set up. It'll be a low block. I mean, I guess we might press them ferociously for 10 minutes and it looks really exciting, and then we concede and then lose four nil. That, that is a thing that we do sometimes, isn't it? Yeah, occasionally. I, I just I cannot imagine that United go out to press this game and you know, crank up the ging and pressing and play like Liverpool. Yeah, so I guess uh, low block could be effective if it's a really well-drilled, well-organised low block. <laughs> I know. It's great. I mean, one thing I'd say is that uh, Mourinho will have had a lot of his players back at Carrington, even, even if some of them are injured or got minor knocks. I don't think any of them had a serious problem, did they? Um, Matic pulled out, Lingard pulled out... Uh, a, a few minor knocks. Lingard was already injured. He never right. went. Yeah, yeah. Nobody knows that Jesse Lingard was injured. I've heard about five people separately talk about Jesse Lingard hasn't played for us for weeks on end. Everyone just assumed he'd been binned, but no, he's been injured for ages. Um, <laughs> it just, just doesn't compute. Yeah, player who was uh, player who's popular suddenly disappears. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I guess he's, he's gonna, yeah, you're right, he's going to have had a lot of his players, but he's had a lot of his players before all these other games too. Um, and, I mean, I just don't see how our defenders playing the way that they've played. I don't know, I don't see what, f- I guess he's going to play three at the back, isn't he? Because if he wants to play a low block, he's, he wants numbers in there, because two on their own, there isn't a central defensive partnership that's working for United at the moment. So, going to play three at the back, probably. Um, I just think this is, I mean, again, like, as always with these things, it'd be delightful to be proved wrong, but my expectation for this game is that it's going to be horrible. So what's the team? Um, De Gea, and then three at the back, so Smalling, Baye, and then probably a midfielder again, I guess. Maybe he's stopped throwing his toys out of pram over international break and he'll actually play three, three central defenders. I mean, he's um, going to have every single central defender bar Marcos Rocco fit. But they've all been fit for all these games. We've played Scott McTonomany and Nemanja Matic and, you know, all that. So We'll see Matic is fit. Uh, he's got his ankle problem that kept him out of the, 
the Serbia team. So, uh, I mean, we'll see if he's back or not. McTominay had a problem, didn't he, as well? So uh, that gets him out of the uh, international <laughs> oh, <no>. picture. So, <laughs> uh, you know, he, he may be forced to, Mourinho may be forced to play Victor Lindelof back there, an actual defender. <laughs> and then, obviously, I would expect Shaw and Valencia on either flank. Well, Shaw, um, Shaw had uh, that concussion problem. So is he back? What, the concussion problem from the last international break? Um, he's been he's been back since. He's yeah. Against, okay. He's so played. if it's not concussion, why was he out of the England game? I've forgotten now. So anyway, anyway right? So assuming he's, he, he, he's, he was out of the England game with an injury. So assuming it's not him, it will be Young, I guess. Uh, and then Pogba, he'll bring back Fellaini. I'm sure if Fellaini's fit, um, and Matic, if Matic is available, or I guess Fred, if he's not, or maybe even under Herrera. Do a job on uh, Hazard again, relive his finest hour, and then um, Sanchez and Lukaku maybe up front. Yeah, well, it would be two up front, wouldn't it? If it's three at the back, so yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's not going to be Mata or Martial or any of the flighty players that uh, Mourinho very rarely trusts. Yeah, any of the players that were responsible for could, the could good be stuff. Messi though. If if there is no young, I mean that'd be amazing if we could pick Messi. That'd be. That, <laughs> you said it could be Messi. Is he going to play alongside Lukaku yeah, just yeah. behind him? We've we changed the transfer rules. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, there, there was another interesting story going around today that uh, apparently Messi has a, a clause in his contract that he can leave in 2020 as long as it's a, not a quote. Elite level European club, so we're free. We're okay. yes, United, United, United. Um, and that then would be of United absolutely blow the budget on a crocked, injured, out of form, old, past it Lionel Messi. I mean, he'd still be the best player in our team by miles, wouldn't he? In two years' time, um. Chelsea will play four three three. Amazing, <laughs> shocking! In in a shocking prediction, I'm going to say that Sarri's Chelsea are going to play four three three. All right, um, L- Juve. Then I don't really know much about Juve uh, except that they win all their games all the time, and they've barely conceded a goal all season. They in fact may not have conceded a goal all season. They've won every single game they've played. Yeah, every single one. Have they won them all to nil, or have they conceded a goal? They conceded. Um, I conceded to Napoli, so they are. You can get at them. I mean, they scored three and conceded one, but you can get at them. Losers. <laughs> yeah, um, and then they conceded a couple to Kievo. Yeah, so they, they have conceded. Oh, actually, I might have scrolled back too far. To be fair. Um, so let, let's talk about some of the damage they could do. With uh, yeah. Ronaldo, Dybala, and Mandzukic up front, yeah, bit, bit of quality, no. bit of quality there, just a little bit. Yep. Yeah. Uh, behind Absolutely. them, a uh, uh, midfield of uh, Matuidi, Pjanic, Chan. Not, not sure I've really rated Chan at Liverpool. It might just be my bias, but I, I think he's probably just not that good. But you know, hey, there's, there's got to be one dud in that team. Uh, and uh, a a fearsome looking back four of uh, Sandro Cellini, Bonucci, and uh, Cancelo. 
I mean, that's a, that's a pretty good team, isn't it? I would say that that is a better team than Man United. But listen, uh, uh, Old Trafford under the floodlights. Oh, anything could happen. I mean... Let's hope Dave is in good form. That's all I can say. Yeah, I mean the the midfield. Uh, I wonder if it. I wonder if it will be Chan Pjanic and Matuidi. I, I guess. I guess it, it probably will be. Um, he's 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 played a lot. Chan has, but um, they have got options, haven't they? Uh, in midfield, um, Bentaco has played there quite a bit. Yeah, and, and young... Quadrado is you know the sort of more attacking. Uh, he failed at Chelsea, but uh, more attacking option down the wings as well. If, he, if they want to, if they need some width. Yeah, but of course, like they've got Ronnie, and he's scoring again, and you know, for now, is still allowed to play football. Um, so he's going to play. Uh, I guess he's going to get an absolute hero's reception at Old Trafford. I, I suppose a broader awareness is is going to elude uh, the crowd, as you would perhaps expect. Yeah, gonna be an interesting take that one, isn't it? And we, we talked about it on last week's pod. And obviously he's been uh, proven guilty of absolutely nothing at the moment. Yeah. Uh, and there is a claim and counterclaim about exactly what is uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, in the very many documents that have been circulating, including some that are apparently phony um, since we last talked about this one. So very hard to say much about that. Uh, because yeah. it's it's all very murky in the press at the moment, uh, and of course you know he thoroughly denies it, and uh, Juve are still on their hot take about it. Yeah, I mean we talked about that last week, in, and and you know I really hope we uh, doesn't mean anything. The football side of it doesn't mean anything, but it made me really hope we win this game. Uh, but that's that's obviously completely stupid. Um, so so what are you uh, what are you taking for scores in these two games? I think I predicted scores at the end of the game, at the end of the show last time. I think I said 3-1 to Chelsea and maybe 2-1 to Juve or something. Um, Listen, who knows? I I, I sound very negative about it and and, or pessimistic, I would say, rather than negative. Um, I wouldn't be completely shocked if United do turn up because they they do have it in them. It's just it's just hard to predict that they're going to turn up under these circumstances. I, I would I would imagine it's going to be something of a disaster these next two games. Yeah, uh, I'm just looking forward to, forward to Moisey Keane getting on the pitch for Juve. Uh, Moisey Keane, yeah, that's a good name, isn't it? Uh, yeah, he's a young Italian forward. He's been on the bench a bunch this season, right? What I mean, do you know about him? I, I know absolutely just... nothing about him, uh, except he's called Moisey King, which is just an awesome name. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Very united. Um, all right, I don't, I don't want to talk about these games anymore. I just want to get through them so we can do it. We're going to do a show after the Juve game, I think, uh, rather than try and squeeze one in between Chelsea and Juve. We, we will um, do that, yeah. And uh, it's going to be thoroughly uplifting because we're going to smash these two. <laughs> yeah, it could happen. It could happen. What's your predictions? I think we're going to lose both of them. But yeah, hey. go on. Pick pick scores out of the air. Two nil and two nil. All right, fair enough. Um, and then you still don't think Mourinho's getting sacked in the next international break? I think you might be right as well. That's the crazy thing about it. I reckon it could be real bad. Oh, you know, these these were these were the tough tests, especially if we like beat Everton and Bournemouth or something in between. 
Anyway, uh, those of you who love Jose Marino and think he's going to do a brilliant job, I send you special good wishes and love. Thank you for listening to the show. Everyone else, you can have special good wishes and love too. And given that we talked about mental health stuff this week, and it was um, Mental Health Awareness Day earlier in the week, uh, just do, like, take care of yourselves, talk to your friends, remember that you're allowed to have feelings, even if they're bad ones. Um, And if you do need help, reach out and get some. And if you ever need uh, pointing in the direction of uh, how you go about doing that, you can always reach out to me. My email address is paul at unitedrant.co.uk. I don't know how to segue into the end from that. (laughs) There's no segue needed, is there, Ed? No. All right, that's it. Yep, that's another show in the books. Uh, We'll be back after the U of A game to celebrate United's two glorious victories. Uh, And until then, take care of yourselves. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Rankcast. It was brought to you, as always, by the good people who choose to back us at patreon.com slash rankcast.